Amen. Well, Lord, we thank You so much for the blessing of Your precious Word to us now. And now we open our hearts to You. We pray, Lord, that You would come, that You would speak to us, great God. Wherever we are on the journey this morning, uh, this is who You are, great God. You, you promised in Your Word that when we draw near to You, You would draw near to us. You're so close here this morning. We know Your presence with us. And so we pray now Your blessing as we do this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, church, we are really blessed to have Pastor Dan, our Pastor for Discipleship, coming to bring God's Word to us this morning. Dan also helps with our city service. He also leads our Sunday switch for our high schoolers, along with his wife, Katie, on a um, Sunday morning as well. And in fact, Dan and Katie are expecting their first bub this year, which is pretty exciting. So can you give them a big welcome as Dan comes to share with us now? forgot to switch it on. Sorry, it's my fault, not the tech team. Thank you. Um, good morning. I'm not, not used to saying good morning in a, in a sermon. My first time actually in the morning. Uh, usually I'd be with the youth at this time, uh, up, up where you guys don't know what's happening, uh, where good stuff is actually happening. Um, and, but yeah, I'm excited to be here today, this morning. And 2021, here we are. We made it. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> um, but we're actually, we're, we're excited for 2021. Uh, we're faith-filled that God is continuing to do great things in and through His people. That's us, and we're excited for what He has. And we're, we've kicked off this year uh, wanting to set our sights on Him, to get a vision of Jesus for that to lead us, for Him to lead us in whatever this year holds. Um, and so we've titled this series that we started last week, and um, I think it's just a two-week series, but uh, Matt said maybe it'll continue on, who knows? Um, so it's new life resolutions, not just new, new Year's resolution, new life. So we're setting a trajectory for the rest of our lives here. Um, and the call last week was to get a vision of who Jesus is. Is He beautiful in your eyes? Do you feel a pull towards Him? Is your heart captivated by His love? Does He seem like the most valuable thing to you, the most valuable thing you can get your hands on, the ultimate tre treasure? Are you doing everything to just lay your eyes on Him? A beautiful picture Pastor Matt had there at the end of his sermon of us running, sprinting just to get a glimpse, just a touch of who Jesus is. Are you chasing after Him? Have you been experiencing more of who He is in your life this week as you've sought to call on His Spirit to reveal to you more of who He is and then to step out into what He's calling you into? Have you been stepping out in faith? This is the trajectory we're setting. We're looking to get a vision of who Jesus is and that's what we're doing today. That's our life resolution, in fact, to know the wonder of who Jesus is in deeper and deeper ways, ways that will affect radical change in our life. And so we're actually going to jump back into Luke. Uh, we're going to have a look at um, chapter 18, and we're going to be looking at Jesus' call for us to see Him as He is. What does it look like to see Jesus in increasing measure? to have our hearts captured by who He is. And we're gonna see 
three different states that we can be in. Uh, and, and they all actually center around Jesus on the cross. Many people see Jesus, they see the teacher, the prophet, the Messiah, but they miss who he truly is. The cross is the unveiling of who he is, the ultimate unveiling. There is no greater revelation for us of who God is than Jesus and him crucified. Seeing Jesus as he intended us to see him will compel our hearts to be like him, will draw us to him. So as we come to God's word, let me just pray, but let's open up our hearts to hear from him, to get a vision of who he is. Let me pray. Father, we do come to you, um, not with a sense of ability that we can define who you are. We come to you humbly, asking that you speak to us, that you show us what we cannot see with our natural eyes, that you show us yourself in such a way that is not just engaging for our minds, but that is completely engaging our hearts. So we come to you now, speak to us in Jesus' name, amen. So Luke 18, verses 15 to 34. And here we see that there are people crowding around Jesus. And in verse 15, we start, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked him. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honour your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter into the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come 
eternal life. Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them and they did not know what he was talking about. This is God's word for us here this morning. And in this passage, we're we're gonna see that there are three different states, three vantage points from which we can see Jesus and the cross. There are the children, there's the, the rich ruler, and the disciples. They're all coming to the same person, but each of them is seeing a different thing. And it's, and it's because what they see is different that their response to Jesus is different. Sometimes we can actually look at things without really seeing them. Looking but not seeing is like hearing but not understanding. Uh, we've all been there. Maybe you've been in a classroom scenario. Hopefully not, this is not you now, but you hear the words. You, you hear the words, but it's not, it's not registering. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe you'd be able to repeat line for line, word for word, what the person is saying to you, but really it, it hasn't sunk in. It doesn't really mean anything to you. Sometimes there is more to be seen than can be seen at first glance. So we're gonna have a a few little testers here for you, a few uh, double images. Tell me what you see. Here's, Here's the first image coming up on the screen. You've probably seen this one before, but there's two women, two women in this picture. One is very old, one is young. And if you were maybe in the 17th century before they had photos and you were to show this to a young man and say, would you like to go on a date with this woman? Depending on what he sees, he will either oblige and be willing or he will run in the opposite direction. I'll let you choose which one is which there. But here's another one. Two different animals here in this picture. If Maybe you're, you're, looking, you're, really in, you're looking forward to eat something particular for dinner tonight. So you call ahead, call your husband and you say, I would love to eat this. Here's a picture, please prepare this for me. And you're expecting one thing and you get home and there's a rabbit carved up on the table and you think, no, I was expecting a duck, okay? What you see will change what you expect, what you're after, how you respond. And so we're gonna just have a look now at a picture of Jesus on the cross. Depending on what you see here, you're either going to run from this or be drawn to him. What we see when we look at Jesus on the cross, will be dependent on the faith or trust that we have in him, on how much we truly know him. What do you see 
when you look at the cross. Pain, suffering, death, forsakenness, despair. On the journey to the cross, these were all things that the disciples saw. They ran in the opposite direction. But here is what a Roman soldier who was standing right in front of the cross, this is what he saw in Mark 15, 39. It says this, and when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. What is it that we see when we look to the cross? The claim of Christianity is that Jesus on the cross is God's love for us. God's love is this, that even while we were completely turned against him, while we were hating him, while we were sinners, he gave himself up for us so that we could be reconciled to him. This is the image Jesus on the cross is God's life on full display. And that life, the life that we see in Jesus on the cross is the life that he offers to us. Do you want that life? What do we actually see? It's a tough question because whether we want that life or not is dependent on what we see. And our focus is grabbed immediately by the suffering, by the despair of this moment. We tend to lose sight of Jesus. The Bible, the scriptures are littered with moments where the disciples lost sight of who Jesus was. Focusing on the things around them, on, on the externals, on what we can judge by human standards rather than focusing on who he is revealing himself to be. We can all too easily see the circumstances, the wind and the waves, the cross, but we forget about Jesus in the boat. We lose sight of who is hanging at the center of the cross. Our vision of who Jesus is, is dependent on our faith in him, who we believe him to be. Are we like a child? Are we like the rich ruler or are we like a disciple? That's gonna affect how we come to him. What is it to be like a child? We've seen a few kids running around actually this morning. It's not hard to get a picture of what it looks like. Jesus says, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. What is it about children? For a child, their complete sense of security is not found in themselves. It's found outside of them in their parents, their proximity to their parents. 
children until they begin to grow up and learn otherwise. They aren't afraid of things when they're close to their parents. They run headlong downstairs. Um, even when we were in, in uh, Bhutan, there's no health and safety, no barriers to kids just running off the side of a cliff. They would do it if their parents were not there to pull them back from that, protecting them. If their parent were to say, come, come with me, follow me, they are confident in their parents. They're not, they're not concerned. They're not thinking even about their safety. In a right functioning relationship, children are being led into deeper and deeper trust by their parents. With what they do see and know of their parents, they're willing to trust them. And in the process, as they step out, trusting them, they get to know their parents even more and trust them even more. If things are going wrong around them, rather than running the other way, they hold tightly to their parent, having full trust and confidence in them. They will not leave their side. I was actually uh, watching little Graceland, which is Pastor David's uh, daughter. Uh, he was with her and they were outside um, in the courtyard and she was standing up on one of the tables and being the good loving parent that he was, he was observing in close proximity and she was testing the limits. There was a table nearby that she potentially was weighing up whether she could make this jump to the other table. And she looked tentatively at David and he looked to her and gave her the, nope, not gonna work. And she took it on board. She, she turned away from that and continued sort of running along the table. And then he turned to her and he said, Graceland, put his arms out. He said, jump. And she just jumped headlong straight into his arms. No, no sense of fear, no sense of, um, um, uh, no thought for her own security. Her security was in her father. This is the childlikeness that Jesus is calling us to, to not have a thought for the security structures that our world has to offer, to have no desire for complete independence from him, to know that he is our security that he is good and that he will lead us into all good things. He is our rock and refuge. When things start getting tough or start um, going the wrong way around us, never to doubt his goodness, but instead to draw closer, to hold tighter to him. To have no sense of, of needing to measure up. Kids don't think that way not be thinking of our own ability to attain things, but rather just to know that when they are near the parent, when we are near Jesus, we are safe. We are secure. To go wherever he is without hesitation, with no consideration of the cost. For a child to have faith is to know that their security is attached to a person that they know well. 
And Jesus is calling his listeners here and he's calling us even this morning to a life of complete dependence, to see and know him well, to know that he is good. But by default, we find ourselves looking from a different vantage point. Our hearts do not tend to believe this in a way that we can just throw ourselves into him. Maybe we feel like we're a bit more like the rich ruler. The reality that we're not completely dependent. We may be dependent in some areas, but we're not completely dependent on Jesus. There are other things that we look to for our life and security. Maybe we have a sense of independence or autonomy from Jesus. We might see him um, as having incredible advice for particular areas of our our lives, our, our spiritual lives. But we can't trust him fully in everything. We might say intellectually that we, we do or we want to, but our hearts do not believe it. The context that Jesus is speaking to here in the first century to this rich ruler is not too different from the world that we live in today, a world where the authority and wealth are the currency of power, the currency of attaining what you desire good standing, honour, security, independence, freedom. Jesus is calling the rich ruler to get rid of his dependence on wealth, to give it all away. And it's not just giving away the money, it's giving away the status, the security that he has in that wealth. He's living a moral life. There are areas that he's completely dependent on God. But Jesus says you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. He can't can't do it. There's something in his heart that does not trust that throwing himself headlong into the arms of Jesus is security, is life to the full. And so Jesus looks at him. And in Mark, it actually says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And this is what Jesus says. Yes, it's very hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. The support structures that we cling on to, the security that we have in this world can be held on too tightly. We cannot let them go. To let them go seems like we're forfeiting life as we know it. And in this moment here with the rich ruler, the people around him have the same sense This is the question they ask. Who then can be saved? And then Jesus replies with this. What is impossible with man is possible with God. 
somehow the vision that the rich ruler has of Jesus can be transformed so that he can see Jesus truly, so he can trust him, so his heart can know who he is. It can, Jesus is saying that, that it is possible for a vision of him to be seen in such measure that his heart will be ready to give up everything, to give to the poor and then to follow Jesus. This is really what um, um, Matt focused on last week, being able to see Jesus as the treasure worth giving everything up for. Impossible. Our hearts, if they do not see Jesus, they do not desire to do that. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. And in fact, I won't cover it now, but if you, if you go to the next chapter, Luke 19, you will see there the impossible becoming possible when a rich, wealthy man, a chief tax collector gets a glimpse of who Jesus is and then is ready to give everything away. Zacchaeus. But let's drill down actually now into exactly what this vision of Jesus looks like. Let's focus on the vantage point of the disciples. What do they see? In fact, there's, there's a moment as the disciples are following Jesus where Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. And Jesus says to him, you have, this has been revealed to you by my Father. You only know this because it's been revealed. And it's from that revelation that they are able to follow him like none, no one else around them can. They, they, Peter says, we have given all to follow you. We've given everything. And Jesus encourages them in that. He says, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. So to the extent that they've seen, they've given everything. But then Jesus moves, moves on. He calls his disciples aside and he predicts to them the cross, his humiliation, his death, and then his resurrection. The disciples, they don't get, they don't get it. They, they don't really understand what he's talking about. They're, they're with Jesus. They see him to the extent that it's been revealed to them. They know elements of who he is, but they're not getting the full picture. To the extent that they've known him, they have given up. But what we see here is there's a way to think that we've given up everything, but we're just waiting on a fuller revelation of who Jesus is, which will show us more, more that we can surrender. For us, as we look at the disciples in retrospect, we, we can see what they failed to see, that they, 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 they were missing the core of who Jesus is. 
Jesus is highlighting to them in this prediction the key, the missing piece in understanding who he is, the cross. It's because the disciples cannot uh, see who Jesus really is on the cross that they, when it comes to that moment, they deny him, they abandon him, they desert him. They cannot cling to him in that moment. They, they don't understand what the cross could possibly mean. By, by every definition that the world has to offer, the cross is not good. It's heinous. It's detestable. Their vision of Jesus does not fit the cross. And so we see that they are unwilling to follow or even associate with a crucified Jesus. But hear this, this is important. Even though they have not seen the full picture, even though they abandon Jesus, he does not abandon them. He still considers and calls them to continue in discipleship. To the extent that they have seen Jesus, they had given everything up to follow him. True, they didn't have the full picture, but it's Jesus who is committed to revealing all that he is to them. So to be a disciple is to have our vision of Jesus continually expanded, to be open to seeing him as he reveals himself to us. And as he does that, to step out in faith, to surrender to him, to trust him even more. And this is Jesus' commitment to us. He will reveal himself. For the disciples, the cross in this moment as Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem is despair and anguish. But Jesus in his resurrection turns the tables on their heads. All of a sudden, the disciples can see something that they did not see before. The cross was not defeat for Jesus. His life is more powerful than death. But even then, even in them just seeing the resurrection, seeing Jesus alive again, they haven't seen the full picture. That this life that's in Jesus, the Holy Spirit that was with Jesus as he went to the cross, the life-giving spirit that raised him from the dead is being offered to them. And it's the Holy Spirit that will enable them to truly see and understand Jesus on the cross. Empower them to trust and follow him. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, they, Jesus came, appeared to them in his resurrected body. They could not recognize him. And as Jesus opened to them, 
the scriptures, something in them, something in their heart was burning within them, drawing themselves to Jesus. We need him to reveal himself to us. In John 20, 21 to 22, it says this, Jesus said, peace be with you. This is him appearing to his disciples in his resurrection. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, as he sent Jesus, I am sending you. It's a call to continued discipleship. Though they abandoned him, he did not abandon them. This is the call to look and see Jesus at the very place that they stumble, to look to Jesus on the cross and see with new eyes, eyes that are are given to them by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. Eyes to see Jesus as he truly is. Even on the cross, bursting at the seams with life and love for others, not holding anything to himself. Where before they may only have seen suffering, despair, and death, they were repulsed by the cross, they ran from it. Now, through the, through the Holy Spirit, they can see fullness of life and love. Their, their hearts are drawn to Jesus in even greater measure. As that happens, it's only as that happens that they can really give up everything, even themselves, and take up their cross daily, only by the power of the Spirit who has enabled them only as they have faith in Jesus. This is what Paul is actually talking about in Philippians 3, 7 to 11. Here's what he says. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is the reality that is available to us today. The life that is on offer to us. What do we see? Do we see life and love bursting at the seams or are we repelled? Paul says that the Spirit 
is the love of God poured out into our hearts. The, it's, it's the love, it's his love that compels us to follow Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus that reveals him to us in a way that we could never see him before. As the supreme gift, the most valuable treasure. And it's as we begin to see him, to know his love on the cross by his spirit that everything will change. One theologian gives a great illustration of, of, of the process of what this, this looks like as we see this gift, as we receive this incredible gift. He talks about a rich alumnus, a previous graduate of a university going back to this university to give them a gift. It says, he gave to the university a wonderful, glorious painting that simply did not fit any of the spaces available in the university. They received this gift, it did not fit anywhere. Such was the magnificence and value of the painting that eventually the university decided to pull itself down and rebuild itself around the great and unexpected gift. As they began the process, demolishing the existing structure, building the new, they discovered that all the best things about the university as it was, were enhanced and became even better within the new structure receiving their beauty in relation to the painting. Not only that, but the problems that were there before, problems that were hidden and problems that they were already aware of were dealt with in the process. Jesus is the magnificent treasure. The Holy Spirit will come into our lives and lift him up to every space in our lives, looking for room. The deepest places of our hearts. And as he does that, we will be able to, like Paul, say that we consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord we will give everything up to grab a hold of him, to follow him. Jesus on the cross is the standard of love that we could never live up to. But he is committed to making that very love come alive in us if we would just ask for his spirit. He will reveal himself to us as he truly is and our hearts will burn within us. Do you long to trust him as a child? Do you wanna be able to let go of everything that's preventing you from just jumping headlong into the arms of grace? 
into his love, into fullness of life? Do you long to be a disciple on that journey, opening up your heart to him, to see him as he is, as he reveals himself? Not as we want him to be, but as he is. It's always better. And this is what we can do. And this is what we do as disciples day by day, more and more following Jesus to see him and be continually transformed into his image by the power of his spirit. This is what he's calling for us to enter into this morning. Maybe, maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time, more always more. He's waiting for us to jump further, to see him more. And so that's what we're gonna do this morning, actually, as we, as we come to communion. This is how we're gonna respond, is fix our eyes on Jesus. His love poured out on the cross is where he continually calls us to come back to. He wants us to see him in all his glory with the eyes of faith. Paul says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is why Jesus calls us to remember the cross to know his love that is power, his very self, his body given for us, his blood which speaks forgiveness and life to us. Let's cry out to him. Show us the glory, the wonder, the magnificence of who you are, Jesus and him crucified. Father, reveal your love to us by your Holy Spirit. We need you. I know in my own life, there have been many times where I've tried to intellectually plumb the depths of this love and I haven't been able to. It has not affected change. It has not made my heart burn within me, yearning to know you more. but you have not abandoned me. You have not abandoned us. You are committed to us. And so we come to you and we ask that by your Spirit, you would draw us deeper, that you would reveal to us the fullness of who you are. We want nothing less. Capture our hearts afresh. In Jesus' Name, Amen. And so this is why on the night he was betrayed, as he was about to take that journey to the cross, he was with his disciples and taking the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do that.
in the same way, Jesus took the cup and He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. Actually, why don't we stand together, church? Let's stand together. As What we're doing here is we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. We, we're, we're calling on the Holy Spirit to reveal to us who He is. As we, as we come here, we're doing exactly what He asked us to do, to remember Him, to remember the sacrifice, to remember Him on the cross. So let's do this as we drink together. Holy Spirit, do that in us. Oh, Father, we thank You. Thank You for sending Your Son. Thank You for the reality that we can live in now. Full transformation. I know this in my life. This is a certainty. And there are many here who are walking day by day with You, seeing Your love and Your power in increasing measure as You reveal Yourself to us. And we long for more. And so we come to you now. And, and, and maybe there are some here who long, who have, who have thought about this, who, who understand the steps, who understand um, who you are in the written Word, but it has not come alive to them to engage their hearts. We pray now that you would come by your Spirit and fill us, fill all of us afresh. We come to you because there's nothing else. Nothing else will do. Oh, we love you. Only because you have loved us first. We did not have it in our hearts to love you. And yet you have put your love into our hearts. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Church, we're gonna continue to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He is committed to us. He is taking us into new things this year and beyond for the rest of our lives. May our lives be committed to Him. May they have the fragrance of Jesus, the fragrance of His love and life. So as we continue in worship, as we sing this song, just pour your heart out, pour your all out to Him. Let's do that together, church. Joy I find 
what a focus for us as we head into a new year. Because it's always only ever about one person. That person is Jesus. And for us, again, the start of a new year, just to focus in on the cross, revelation of His love for us, His sacrifice for us, that He has made a way for us to be able to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus. And maybe here this morning and uh, you're not still on the journey of faith, still exploring things. Well, I want to tell you, this is what it's all about. If you're watching online, you're wondering what this is all about. It's all about Jesus, all about the cross and what He has done for us there. There He took the penalty for our sin, took our place, the death that we deserve so that we could have life eternal in Him. And it is the most powerful message, the most wonderful message. And this year we want to be captured afresh with the revelation of His love for us. And it's at the foot of the cross that we discover that, that we find the fullness, the holiness of God, the justice of God, the love and the grace of God all found at the cross. And so this is our prayer for the year ahead, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the good news, is that Jesus is sitting the right, home, throne, the right hand of the throne of God this morning. He reigns supreme. And so you can have confidence in this year ahead as we look to Him, as we fix our eyes on Him. So let me pray this morning as we conclude our time together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your great love to us. And I do pray too, Lord, thank You for this Word. I pray that we would be captured afresh in 2021 with the wonder of Your love for us, revealed through Your Son, Jesus, revealed through the cross. Lord, help us not to just know this in head knowledge, Lord, but by Your Spirit, that You would spread abroad in our hearts the revelation of this love, that we would know it deep within our hearts, great God, that it would transform us. Lord, we would seek after You with everything we have, that we would cast other things aside, Lord, in the pursuit of just wanting to know You more, to know, Lord, more of You in our life, more of You in this church, Lord, we pray. That is our heart's desire. And Lord, for any on the journey of faith this morning, exploring things, well, Lord, I pray for them too. They'll have a revelation of Your great love for them through Your Son, Jesus. And so, Lord, we pray this this morning. And I want to pray a blessing on each one as we head into this new year, Lord, for families, for work situations, health situations. Lord, I just pray for Your blessing over each and every one as we look to You, Lord Jesus. Our trust is in You, not in the things of this world, not in the securities of this world, Lord, but our trust is in You, Lord Jesus. And so we look to You this morning. We fix our eyes on You, Lord Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' Name. Everyone said, Amen. Please be seated. If you'd like prayer this morning to come and see one of the pastors, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, just a reminder too that we're heading out through the side doors still as well. But God bless you. Thanks so much for sharing with us and those online as well. So good to have you link in with us. God bless.